we get started, let's pray. Are you ready? Pray with me. Pray for me and with me. Pray for me as I pray for myself this morning. Father, we just thank you for this day. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. God, I just thank you so much that today Jesus is alive and well, and that the Word of God is alive, and it's powerful, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's going to cut between even our soul and our spirit this morning. And we're going to know that we know that we know that we've heard from God today. I thank you, dear Father, that uh, as, we, as we look into your word today, that it becomes a part of us. And as, as we hear it, Lord God, faith comes because it comes by the hearing of the word. And as we grow, Lord God, we become formed more into the image and likeness of your dear son. Jesus, we give you the liberty in this place today. And everybody in here says, Amen. Amen. All right. Smile on your way down. Have a seat. Do I have glasses? Yes, praise the Lord. Look, I got two Bibles. All right, for those of you that uh, have not been here or have not gotten, do you see this little thing here? This is a 2021-2022. This is not last year's, but we have, um, we have these little calendars up here for you. And I still have a whole bunch. So if you didn't get one, you can have one. If you know somebody that would like one, would you please make sure you take one today, all right? Because honestly, they're no good after a year or two. So we want to <laughs> we want to give them away, okay? So <laughs> they are good tender, but we're not we're we're hoping for people to be able to use them. You can actually put things in here like um Jeff's 40th birthday party or uh Pastor Jim having surgery or uh Mia and Chai, you know, a week past their due date or whatever, you know. So <laughs> they need more meals. <laughs> whatever. So please make sure that you get one of these, all right? Don't get it and put it in your fire. But, uh, and you're welcome to take, there's enough that you can take some for friends. You can even gift them. I, don't, I wouldn't know. You could wrap it, in a, wrap it in a wrapping, you know, and a tag and say, here, I got this for you. Just don't lie and say, I bought this for you. Okay? But you can say, I got this for you, and you can bless them. Right? Yes. All right. Okay. So let's get started. Uh, this morning, I'm going to be preaching a message that I actually preached, uh, I looked it up, I think it was like 2013. Um, and after I preached this message in 2013, it impacted somebody who has since become one of our very dearest friends, and he made me a brick. And I forgot to bring it today, but uh, he made me a brick, uh, a decorative brick, he carved in it, and uh, some people have incredible talent. Like, I can, I can, I can. I can't even walk and chew gum. That's why I don't chew gum. So, uh, but this guy, he carves bricks decoratively, and it said, Interruptible Life on it. And it sits on our piano even today, and it's weathered. It's got this really nice patina, you know, and it looks like an antique, but it's not. Um, but I'm going to preach a message, and maybe you've heard me preach it before, but you'll be okay, uh, called Living the Interruptible Life. If you were here last week, uh, we talked about the starvation mode. Remember that? And uh, did any of you recognize any symptoms there? Did, have you, did, you, did you get out of the malnourished stage this week? You know, did God kick you out of that stage this week? Anyway, uh, one of the symptoms was a loss of passion for people and for the things of God. And that loss of passion um, actually causes a... Um, causes a sense of, of, of like, I don't care in us. And 
I felt like this, this message would probably be appropriate for after that. It'll probably take this week and next week. And then after that, I will be on sabbatical from the pulpit. But I will be sitting here listening to whoever is preaching in the pulpit or singing at the, the piano or whatever. So uh, I'll still be here. I just won't be preaching to you. And, you know, maybe it's not just a sabbatical for me. Maybe it's a break for you too. So... <laughs> Whatever. Um, I know you'll be sad, but maybe not that sad, right? Maybe not as sad as I am. So anyway, I want to share a message today called Living the Interruptible Life. And we'll see how far we get with this. Um, but I want to do this because I feel like this helps to uh, pinpoint part of what I talked about last week with losing the passion, losing the... Um, losing the, the drive for uh, people and for the things of God, okay? All right, so the definition of interrupt. And if you're here and you have a bulletin, you know I type these, right? I type these in the wee hours of the morning, okay? See this? I type this, all this stuff. Sometimes I put wrong stuff on there, but most of the time it's pretty accurate. And um, these are for you, this, these here, these are lines. They're for you to take notes. Because God is always speaking to you. Do you remember when we first started, when we first took over this church? We had little binders that had uh, Life Family Church labels on them, and we punched holes in these every week. Does anybody have their Life Family Church binder? I have mine at home. Yeah, nobody really used them. There you go. So because of that, we don't punch holes in them now. But we still have binders that fit this, and they're in the back in the usher's closet. And if you want one, you can take one, and I'll actually punch holes in all of your, all of your bulletins for you if you want to keep them. But one of the reasons we do this is not because uh, everything that comes out of my mouth is phenomenal, but it's because everything that comes out of the mouth of God is phenomenal. And if you're sitting here today, and you're sitting, and the Bible says when the word is being preached something happens, yes? And if you receive the word, God's going to speak to you. And it may not have anything to do with the actual words that are coming out of my mouth, but it has everything to do with the Holy Spirit. And he is the teacher, and he wants to speak to you. There might be things that God says to you, and you need to write them down. You should have paper and pen at your bedside. You know that, right? Because when God speaks to you, and he will, you need to write it down. If you do any kind of homeschooling or education, you know that if you uh, add various avenues of taking in information, it helps it to stick. So if you hear and you write and you touch, right, and you say things, you repeat things, you will retain things a whole lot more. And if you write it down, then you take it home with you. Yeah, these are free, you know. If you write so much you need another one, all you got to do is ask the usher. Okay, so we give you more. Um, but I believe God's going to speak to somebody today. Amen? All right, so the definition of interrupt as a verb is to stop or hinder by breaking in. Or to break in. To break the uniformity or continuity of an action. To stop or hinder by breaking in. Okay? A noun, which is more of a recent definition is a feature of a computer that permits the execution of one program to be interrupted in order to execute another program. That's called an interrupt. So if you're in a program, an interrupt is when another program breaks in 
to the program you're already operating in. Okay? That's an interrupt. So it's a verb and a noun. Okay? Um, if you have children, <laughs> which we have many, um, and the, the current, uh, well, we have eight, but the current three, obviously, you all know that um, they're adopted. Um, so they're new. Uh, one of the things that they came with was automatic interrupts. They had no understanding of interruption, uh, nor did they care. Um, but that has been one of the aspects that we've been working on diligently. And now, they still interrupt, but now they know what it's called. Um, and they have to apologize for it. They still do it, but you know, we, will, uh, we constantly tell them not to interrupt because we consider it a rude action. I don't know about Minnesota, but where I come from, interrupting is a rude action. Um, but we're constantly telling them, uh, don't interrupt. Or when they come up and they just start, mom, that's the littlest, mom. That sounds just like her. <laughs> and she'll say something and I'll turn and I'll say, sweetie, what are you doing? Interrupting. Okay, what you do? I am sorry for interrupting mom. Okay, our apologies are three parts. Who you're apologizing, the apology, and what you're apologizing for at my house. It's a three-part apology, right? So she'll do her thing, and then I'll say, okay, thank you. And then she'll say, mom. So she'll just keep on interrupting. So we've gotten the whole, it is wrong, but not the, not the other part in yet. But So she has a built-in interrupt particularly that one. She has a built-in interrupt. She's always interrupting my program to execute her own, you know. Um, but uh, even though it's constant, um, it's something that, you know, we're, we're training them uh, that it's, it's rude. But I want to talk today about living an interruptible life where God can interrupt you and you not tell him, um, excuse me, that's rude. Okay? So, and here's, here's why I'm saying this. Okay, how many of you just lived through 2020? <laughs> how many of you didn't? <laughs> Some are like, mm -mm, you know. Um, it was hard, right? She's hanging on by the little, the little thread, actually by the, 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 the red thread, right? But um, it was hard. Lockdowns, upheavals, cancellations, disappointments, right? I mean, we've had major things canceled in our life, in our family, right? Um, lots of disappointments. And it kind of interrupted our plans, right? Were we happy about that? No, it was rude. And so I kind of have gotten this attitude like, uh, come hell or high water, 2021, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Yes? And that's a good thing. That's not bad. You know, we need to have that fortitude. We need to rise up and say, you know, I'm going to do. But don't let that attitude distract you from the purpose of God in your life. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're going to open our Bibles. We're going to talk about that. You can open your Bible to Matthew chapter 9 if you're following along. If not, I'm just going to read to you. And you're just going to have to trust me that it's what it says. All right? So, if you are a typical American, you probably wrestle with the do not disturb attitude. How many of you have ever seen, like if you're driving down the road and you um, are stopped at a stop sign and here comes a bunch of pedestrians and you go to go, they're not in the street, 
They don't have the right of way, but you go to, you push on the gas, you go to take off. How many times have you had them just like take off and start walking in front of you, right? How many of them look at you and say, oh, sorry, you know, and look you in the eyes? Zero. Zero. What do they do? Well, I would do it. I'd be like, oh, sorry, sorry, because I do things like that, you know? But, and then somebody would pull me back and be like, mom, get back up on the sidewalk. <laughs> Here comes a car. But most people that would do it on purpose, what do they do? They just keep looking straight ahead, right? They don't make eye contact with you. They don't want to look at you. They're just going to keep on going and pretend, whoops, there goes my microphone, and pretend that it never, I'm good. Right? They're just going to go, and you're not. And they're going to—they're just going to pretend that they don't see you. You can do that when you don't look at people. You can do it really well when you have sunglasses on, right? I don't have sunglasses on right now, but if uh, if I had my big pink sunglasses as usual, I would just put those on, and I can look at anybody, and I can pretty much scowl at people, judge people with my eyes, cry because they're big, you know, sunglasses. I can do anything behind those glasses and nobody would ever know, right? Why? Because I'm a typical American and this is what we do. This is what we do. Um, you know, someone cuts you off, you know that they know what they did. They're driving and they cut you off and you come up along beside of them and they're just driving away, you know. You know that behind their sunglasses they're probably like, what, giving you the side eye, but you can't see it, right? And they're just going to keep on going. They're going to pretend that they didn't see you or purposely not look at you so they don't have to make eye contact because then there's no connection and they're exonerated, right? They're guilt-free. <sighs> so we live in a do not disturb type of society. We really do. Um, I was thinking about this as I was prepping for this sermon, you know, how many things in my life, even though I preached this years ago, years ago, I think when we first got to Minnesota, uh, I preached this, and uh, we still, we, we still don't know our neighbors <laughs> that live a quarter mile down the road. It's not because we're afraid of them or we think they're bad people or, you know, or anything like that. We just don't know them because we live as a typical American. You know, we, we have been there a couple times to invite them to things, but they're not home. Why? Because they're typical Americans. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, we, we need to understand that um, we live in a do not disturb type of society. We really do. We have things set in our mind of how we expect our life and our plans to go, and we're going to do that, whether it means cutting somebody off or walking in front of them and not looking, you know, and just like, well, I'm just going to... I'm just going to go. You know, there's nothing wrong with planning or setting goals. You know, we talked about resolutions last week. I don't think anybody in here made a New Year's resolution, did you? Nobody. Because you're afraid of 2021. <laughs> but um, I made a couple, but they're none of your business. Anyway, um, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. But I want to challenge you today with something that God has been challenging me with, which is why he resurrected this, do not have a do not disturb attitude with your life. Are you willing to live an interruptible life? And, you know, last week when we talked about starvation mode, 
when you are spiritually in starvation mode and how it mimics and how it parallels the uh, symptoms of physical starvation and one of those being apathy and lethargy and loss of passion spiritually it would be loss of passion for people and for the things of God um, it is important that we don't get into that attitude like I'm just going to do what I'm going to do and you're not going to stop me and I'm not going to worry about what's going on around me I'm not even going to look nobody is going to break into or interrupt my life so um, do I have an interrupt when it comes from God do I have that resident on the inside of me you know when you have that program in your computer um, it's there and it supersedes whatever program is running and do do we have an interrupt settled deep down inside that if God told us something today and it interrupted or broke through the program that we already had set here would we submit to that would we be willing to come under the authority of that uh, sometimes no you know sometimes no um, I have to be humble enough to allow that to happen so uh, is he in control of my life and able to push my interrupt button you know is God the one that's calling the shots or is it me and if you are a typical American which you know I kinda hate to say that because there's two different types of typical Americans now in this nation you know there's a great divide and uh, but if you're like me I'll say that and maybe that makes you tremble um, you know we're taught from a young age that we need to have what goals and plans especially as girls now you can be and do anything you want to be and do this is true but are we teaching our children and are we living ourselves with the willingness to be interrupted uh, you know we are empowered to make our own decisions and we we tell our kids that you know what do you, well we ask them what do you want to be when you grow up there's nothing wrong with asking them that but at the same time are we training them that you know if you follow him with all your heart he's going to put desires in there that are that are for your good and for your future and those are the things you want to be when you grow up you know um, sometimes that that um, that attitude can get us into the mindset that we're completely in charge and if we do that then we are not we are not most likely going to live the interruptible life we're not going to be willing to be interrupted uh, by anybody by God by anybody else you know I, I liken the uh, the whole having a baby thing because I know you know we've got that going on in our family right now and I remember back when I was having uh, my first baby and um, I remember my first baby me thinking I had these things in my head well it's going to be like this and this and this and when the baby got here it was not everything from the birth to you know now he's 39 you know like nothing has gone exactly uh, he's you know we love him but he interrupted our life and then the second one had the nerve to come along and do it too and then the third one then the fourth one then the fifth one and then we had three come at one time and they all interrupt your life and sometimes uh, you know you've heard of the great awakening right well sometimes it's more of a rude awakening when uh, some of these some of these uh, life life um, events come in and they interrupt your life and you think wow this is exactly not the way I thought this was going to be you know um, yeah anyway uh, <laughs> but 
But we see in the Bible, and we're going to look in the Bible, we see in the Bible that Jesus lived the interruptible life. Absolutely. Does that mean his life was out of control? No, not in the least. And so there's a balance there, and I want us to find that over the next two weeks, of living an interruptible life, but yet having our life be uh, not in balance where, you know, there's enough of the world and enough of God. That's a bunch of trash. But having it balanced so that we're, it's not out of control and we don't lose perspective and we don't run ourselves into the ground, okay? Because that's not the will of God. That's not the will of God. Uh, he's, not, he's not willing that any should perish. Okay? And that doesn't just mean uh, die without Jesus. And uh, he's not willing that any would perish. And so we're going to look in the Bible and see that Jesus lived this interruptible life. He was constantly interrupted. But when he was interrupted, it was a button that, that God had pushed and it was a divine appointment, and he opened himself up willingly to that interruption, and because of that, something wonderful happened. Amen? So we're going to look in Matthew chapter 9 to start with. So if you're following along in your Bible, you can open to Matthew chapter 9. If you want to follow along in the Bible, there's one in front of you. Of course, unless you're at home watching on the Internet, then I don't know where your Bible is. So Matthew chapter 9... And we're going to start with verse 18. I'll give you a little, I'll give you a little background. Uh, this starts, the, the chapter starts with Jesus in a boat, you know. And, um, and then he crosses over, and then he does a bunch of miracles. Okay, does some miracles. Um, and then he's teaching. And then we're just going to pick up at 18. See, when you don't like my Reader's Digest versions of these, of these um, stories, which I give you, then you probably uh, should take that as a cue that you need to read the story at home. Okay? All right. Verse 18. <laughs> that was <laughs> a nice way to tell you you need to read your Bible. Yes? Be a student of the Word. This says here, uh, While he was saying these things to them, behold... There came a synagogue official and bowed down before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and began to follow him, and so did his disciples. What happened? The interrupt button just, just interrupted his program with a different program. Okay? He was completely doing something else, but this man came and said, Jesus, I need help. Yes, he got up and followed him, and so did his disciples. Why? So they could learn something, yeah, and behold something. And behold, a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him. This is while he's walking. While he was walking to what he was interrupted for, came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, for she was saying to herself, well, if I only touch his garment, I shall, I shall get well. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. And at once the woman was made well. And when Jesus came into the official's house and saw the flute players and the crowd in noisy disorder, he began to say, Depart, for the girl is not dead but is asleep. And they were laughing at him. Why? Because they were all doctors and they knew for sure. Right? Um, but when the crowd had been put out, he entered and took her by the hand and the girl arose. And this news went out 
in all the land. Now, one thing that you don't see here is that um, when he was walking through the crowd to go and raise this little girl uh, from what he said was sleep and they said she had died, what happened was this woman with the issue of blood was, was um, following through the crowd which she was, that was illegal. She wasn't supposed to be around everybody, right? And um, he did turn and say, uh, who's pushing on me? And his disciples said, what, are you kidding? Everybody's pushing on you. There are probably thousands of people there thronging him. This was not the queue, you know, where you, where you line up and everybody's six feet apart, okay? This was people... Uh, pushing, thronging, wanting to touch or see the man who they had never seen anything like this before. He was interrupted, so they're all following him because they want to see what's going to happen because it's going to be some kind of a show. God's going to put on a show and they knew it. Something awesome was going to happen. In the meantime, this woman throws herself at the mercy of God and is following him and he says, Who's, who touched me? And they said, what? Are you kidding? Everybody's touching you. All these dirty people are touching you. They're touching you. They're touching you. You know. And he said, no, I felt the power go out from me. You'll find that in another, in another gospel. Okay. And the power of God went out of him and he knew that. So she actually was the interruption that interrupted his interruption. Do you see that? And if he hadn't been willing to get up and go to where he was going to go, there's no guarantee that she would have been where she needed to be to grab the hem of his garment and have the power of God heal her and change her life forever. Amen? One act. One thing that Jesus did. All he did was get up and move. One thing. Just in, the, in obedience to God. Isn't that crazy? He'd been dining and teaching with, uh, with sinners and he was on his way to that interruption when he got interrupted. I just think that's amazing. Miracles happened because he was willing to be interrupted. He was willing to allow God to call the shots and tell him where to go and what to do. He was willing, even if he was tired, even if he was hungry, even if he was really comfy where he was sitting, or he really felt like, oh, I'm just really on a roll here with my teaching. You don't think that, that preachers love to preach? Right? He was the ultimate, well, he still is, but the ultimate preacher, teacher, prophet, priest, and king. Here he is. He's sitting. The oracles of God are dripping from his mouth, right? He's just, he's just spewing the, the wisdom of God. He's probably feeling really, really uh, fulfilled in delivering what God has for him, and somebody interrupts him, and he has to stop. And he did. And he stopped. He was willing to change his plans and what he was doing for someone else. How many times do we make our own plans and God's trying to interrupt us and we're too busy with our own lives and we're too busy or caught up in our own problems or plans to even hear him. So if you walk away with anything today, I hope it's a tuned ear. I hope that when you walk away today, you do it with a heart of um, submission to whatever God has for you. Amen? Um, that when he says, um, I, don't really, I don't really want you to be doing this. I want you to just stop. And just wait. Just wait right here. 
And then lo and behold, when you do that, there's a divine appointment and something happens. Amen? Let's look at Mark chapter 10. There's all bunches of stuff like this. That sounds professional, right? There's all bunches of stories like this in the Bible. Why? Because all through the Gospels, Jesus was interrupted over and over and over again. We also see it in, in the lives of the, of the apostles. You know, you see it when, the, when um, Peter, what was he doing? He's just hanging out up on a roof. <laughs> God gave him a vision, right? And then all of a sudden, somebody's knocking on the door downstairs, and, and his whole life is interrupted. Big time for him because it was a Gentile. It was a dirty Gentile. And, you know, as far as he was concerned, um, that was unclean for him to go and, and preach the gospel to them. But God interrupted not just his actions, but his mindset. He gave him a vision. And then later on, after the events unfolded, he said, oh, now I know what God was trying to tell me. And it changed his whole life. It changed his mindset. It changed, what he, it changed his theology. Yes? And the Gentiles heard the gospel and got filled with the Holy Spirit. So look at Mark chapter 10. This is, uh, I believe, blind Bartimaeus. Let's look. Uh, we'll start at verse 46. Mm -hmm. Here we go. And they came to Jericho, and as he was going out from Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. This is typical of somebody in those days that was indigent. They would sit by the road and beg. And when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many were sternly telling him to be quiet. And he began crying out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. They told him to be quiet, and he raised his voice in objection and defiance of that. And Jesus stopped, well I guess he heard him, and said, call him here. And they called the blind man, now they're nice, right, saying, take courage, rise, he's calling you. This is the same people that told him to be quiet. Well, all of a sudden, the master's calling you. It's an awesome day. And casting aside his cloak, that's very significant right there, he jumped up and he came to Jesus. And answering him, Jesus said, answering what? Answering him saying, Son of David, have mercy on me. And then getting up in response to Jesus calling, he said, what do you want me to do for you? This also is significant because there are a few places in the Gospels where we hear Jesus asking people what they want. There's another place in the Gospels where he asks them what they want and they start blaming other people for what they don't have instead of just looking to Jesus and saying, please, I need this. Instead of that, they turn and they say, I need this, but nobody's doing, nobody's helping me, and it's everybody else's fault that I'm in this situation. Well, here the blind man said to him, Rabboni, or teacher, I want to regain my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and began following him on the road. So he goes from being a blind beggar to a follower of Christ, literally a follower. Gets up and follows him. 
Jesus obviously had a plan as he was moving forward. Bartimaeus was rebuked by the crowd for interrupting. Why? Because it's rude. But God not only interrupted Jesus, but he interrupted Bartimaeus' dull, boring, and painful existence that was leading him nowhere and touched him and he turned and followed Jesus with his heart and with his body. When Bartimaeus flew off, threw off his cloak, that was his identity as a blind beggar being thrown off. Total act of faith there. When he got up, he threw off the identification that he had with the old life and moved towards his new one. God doesn't want just to interrupt our life, right? He wants our life to interrupt other people's. And Jesus, Jesus interrupted Bartimaeus' life. Totally changed it forever. Totally changed it. He wants to turn my life around, and then he wants to use me to impact others so that they will too turn and follow him passionately. Our life is not meant to be a life of just behavior modification. You know, be nice, be kind to small animals, you know. God helps those that help themselves. Cleanliness is next to godliness. You know, all these different things. We, we incorporate these things and make it like it's the gospel. The gospel is one big interruption. When Jesus came to earth, he busted through and came to earth to totally interrupt where it was at that time. Amen? Him, him interrupting our life is radical and it's his existence that begins in our life. You know, the existence of that relationship interrupts everything or it should and it should change everything. And God is waiting to interrupt the program that we're on with one of his own. When God broke into Bartimaeus' life, it caused no small disturbance, you know. Um, the people that were like, shut up, Bartimaeus, be quiet. Jesus is coming by. Go sit down, you nasty old beggar. I, he probably smelled. He was probably gross, you know. He was sitting there begging for, by, at the side of the road. We don't know how long, right? Do we know how long, Mr. Theology? No? Okay. So even if it's three days, I'm sorry, guys, but after three days, y'all smell. You know, and he sat on the side of the road. People did not want him to be blessed. People did not want him to meet Christ. People did not want him. They did not care about him. But God had different plans. Yes? What about the, the madman of the tombs? He was naked and chained up. Don't you think that when Jesus broke into his life and set him free and everyone else saw it, that it caused some kind of great upheaval? Yes, it upheaved his life. Man, he, had, he put on clothes. He was of right mind. He, you know, it changed his life. But what about all the people that watched? That's got to disturb something. That's got to interrupt something. Yes? Oh, that's just the crazy guy. He's always running around naked up in the tombs there, screaming at people as they go by, you know? And they watched this happen. It wasn't done in secret. Most of the things that Jesus did were not done in secret. And these interruptions did not just change the person's life. 
that he delivered or set free, it changed everybody else's life that watched. And our life needs to be a display board for the power of God. And maybe you think, well, I'm just pretty measly and, you know, mild-mannered and I really am kind of boring and, um, you know, I think my life is probably not all that. You know, it's not anything really for people to look at and be like, oh, that woman, she's got some kind of life. Like, mm. You know, it's pretty normal. But if I'm willing to allow God to interrupt me at any time that he desires, my life becomes a neon display board for an act of God, for the power of God. And everybody that sees it will be affected. Everybody. One way or another. When God breaks into people's lives, it causes a big ruckus. Remember when, uh, you old people will remember, but not you younger kids. Um, remember the artist Carmen? Remember him? The Italian guy, Carmen? Yeah, your parents probably listen to him. But anyway, he had a, he put out this song. Well, he put out a few songs. But he put out this one song called Radically Saved, you know. And um, that was what we listened to when we first got saved, right? Wasn't it Carmen? And yeah, I don't, he's probably like 85 years old by now. I don't know. I, <laughs> but, you know, there's this song that he wrote called Radically Saved. I'm just radically saved, you know. And I remember singing that and thinking, am I? Am I radically saved? Yes, I was. I was radically saved. Um, I, I mean, I wasn't a prostitute or a drug dealer, but I was a sinner. And now I'm the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That's pretty radical, right? You know? Even though my life may seem boring to you on the outside, like, that's kind of boring, you know? Um... The fact of the matter is, every person has been radically saved. Every one of us. Whether your testimony is, you know, radical in the eyes of the world or not. And my desire to continue to be radically saved really boils down to my decision and my choice. I can get up every day and decide whether God's going to be allowed to interrupt me or not. I really can. And so can you, right? I can allow God to cause a ruckus with my life, or I can, or I can um, say no, you know? And so really, I just want to encourage us today along those lines. I think we'll meet, let's see, how much more will we do? We'll read two more, two more scriptures, all right? So turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. I always, I always marvel at these kind of stories. This is where Jesus was lying in the boat asleep. How anyone could lie in any boat and sleep is beyond me. Um, I don't ever lie in a boat. And if I do, it would only be to um, blow my chunks. It would just, I, I am not a big boat person because they go back and forth and my stomach stays in one, in one place. And so that's the way it's supposed to be. But, you know, Jesus is here lying in a boat. And he's sleeping, right? And we'll start with mm, verse 23. Let's see. Here we go. Well, let's do 22, because I love when he says this. He says, uh, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. I, I love that. 
that's Jesus not pulling any punches, right? And then he says here, uh, then it says, when he got into the boat, the disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm in the sea, so that the boat was covered with waves, but he himself was asleep. That in itself is a miracle, if you're sleeping in a boat that's covered with waves. And they came to him and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. <laughs> Have you ever cried that to God? Save me, Jesus, I'm going to die. Um, and he said to them, Why are you timid, you men of little faith? And then he arose, he rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. And the men marveled, saying, What kind of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Awesome story. And then there's all kinds of stuff that comes after. The Gospels are, are just full of powerful stories that should captivate us if we have any kind of ability to read and see something, you know, in, in the eye of our imagination. Um, Jesus was lying in the boat asleep, taking a nap. And a big storm, that shows you that naps are spiritual activities, by the way. And a big storm came up, and disciples started screaming. These are men. These are men in the boat with him. And Jesus stood up and rebuked the waves. He could have said, boys, I've been preaching and I'm really tired. But he was willing to be interrupted. I dare say if Jesus was sleeping, probably he had been tired. Right? I go home after I preach on Sunday and my feet go up. Up on the sofa. Uh, it takes it out of you. Um, and so Jesus is tired, sleeping in the boat. He's got these men screaming at him, and he allowed them to interrupt him, and he did something marvelous. He did something miraculous, and he did something powerful. And it was a billboard for the power of God. Every time there's an interruption that you see in the Gospels, it becomes a billboard for the power of God. So anytime you ever hear God tell you, I want you to do this, go over there and talk to that woman. Go over there and do this, do that, do this. Here, I want you to do this today instead of that. You need to understand that every time God interrupts you, you uh, have the opportunity to be a billboard for the power of God. Amen? Even when it isn't something that you consider incredibly supernatural, it is still supernatural if God is doing it. Amen? You might just give a word to somebody. Go over there and, and say this to that person. Well, golly, I don't even know that person. I don't talk to strangers. You know, I don't do, I don't do that kind of stuff, God. You know me. I don't, I don't talk to strangers. I do. <laughs> God knows I do. But there are other people here in this room that do not nor do they consider it appropriate to go and talk to strangers. And God may tell you, uh, I want you to go over there and just tell them that Jesus loves them. And rather than tremble in your boots, turn around and run away, or question, God, is that really you? God, is that really you? How many times would the devil tell you to go up and tell somebody that Jesus loves them? Zero. Zero. But rather than struggle with it, just go do it. And it opens the door for you to become a billboard for the power of God and for Him to get glory. And there's always, always, always the opportunity for someone's life to be changed. Yes? Jesus was willing to be interrupted even though He was tired. 
How many of you get tired? I get tired. Man, now, now that I'm older, I really get tired. Um, sometimes we get tired of things, not just physically tired. That's probably a, more of a reality, right? I'm just so tired of that. I probably say that a lot on a daily basis. I'm tired of this. Um, but we need to be willing to be interrupted. Last, we'll, last one, and then we'll pick up next week. Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 9. And we'll start at verse 9. Okay? You can, you can read all through the book of Matthew and Mark and find all kinds of really cool things that uh, Jesus was interrupted with, and he did. You can also go through the book of John and see all kinds of miracles. But I, I really wanted to point out the obvious interruptions. Jesus was either heading somewhere or doing something else. He's sleeping in a boat. He's teaching. He's doing something else. And um, he's interrupted and allows that interruption to change his path, to change his course, to change what he's doing, and then boom, all of a sudden, God's power is on display. And didn't Jesus, isn't he the one that said, these things that I do, you'll do also, and greater things will you do? Well, don't you think that we need to be willing to do what Jesus did to be used in these things? He was interrupted. Time and time and time again. I love this interruption because it's while he was preaching. Pretty sure. Let's see. Matthew chapter 9. Look at verse 9. Mm, well, that's the story before this. Okay. So let's go back to Matthew chapter 9 and mm, we'll start. Let's see. Let's start with verse 1. Getting into a boat, he crossed over and he came to his own city. Okay, here we go. And behold, they were bringing to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the paralytic, Take courage, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, not to him, but to themselves, This fellow blasphemes. Religious spirits. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why are you thinking evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or rise and walk? But in order that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, rise, take up your bed, and go home. He arose, and he went home. When the multitude saw this, they were filled with awe and glorified God, who had given such authority to men. Boom! Jesus was interrupted, but not, not in private. He was interrupted out in the open. And God put himself on display there. And it says the multitudes saw it. They were filled with awe and glorified God who had given such authority to men. Big billboard. What would you say? Da-da-da. Okay. And um, then verse 9. And as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in a tax office. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Now you have to have a little bit of background to understand how skeezy tax collectors were. Like if you, um, if you get your taxes done by an accountant every year, like we do, well not this year, but we have for the last 20 some years, the same guy every year named Al Funk. His name is Funk. And um, he, he's funky. Um, he actually went home to be with Jesus last year because we got a card uh, that Al Funk had passed on and uh, that his son was taking over his, his uh, clients. Anyway, 
This man was upright, this Alfunk, upright, godly man, loved Jesus, loved people. He did our taxes while we were missionaries for, I don't know what, $20 or something like that. Just, just really blessed us for years and years, and we gave him our business. I would never consider the man skeezy or crooked. In the Bible days, if you were a tax collector, you were skeezy and crooked. You weren't, you weren't like Al Funk. You weren't uh, working to, um, for the benefit of the taxpayer, for sure. You were working for your own benefit, and generally you were fairly crooked. Okay? So, um, Jesus, uh, we see here, walks by and says to Matthew, this sinner guy, sitting in his tax office, follow me. And the Bible says, and he rose and followed him. There's nothing in between follow me and and he rose that gives us any idea of the amount of time. But we can assume that it was either immediate or fairly quickly because it doesn't say and years passed. Correct? Or when Matthew uh, thought about it some more. Or it took a while, but he finally did what Jesus told him to. All right. We see here he commanded Matthew to follow him. Matthew was wealthy because he was a crook. And people hated him. He rose and he followed him without one question. He just got up and went. He left everything he knew. He left his source of income. He left his identity, which sounds just like Bartimaeus. Right? Bartimaeus stood up. Off came the identity. And there he goes to Jesus. Matthew, the, the, the sinner, the tax collector, is up and leaves the identity, leaves his office, leaves his identity and his source of income. So before this, Jesus was preaching in a house and some guys had opened the roof and dropped a paralytic down and he healed him, right? So that's an interruption, okay? And I can say that as somebody that stands in a pulpit, if, if you interrupt me too much, I really lose my, I lose my, my groove, you know, I lose my train. It's hard, right? And, um, if somebody came and, and cracked open the ceiling and started dropping somebody in, that might cause, that might even cause a little more, I might have to go back to my notes a little more than usual, right? Uh, and especially if it's not in my notes, I'd be like, what? Um, that's not in my notes. Can you just wait? Can you wait? No, I need it now. And uh, if it's not in my three-point sermon, mm, it's a little bit different. You know, uh, could you fill out a card and give it to the usher, please? And we'll get with you. I'll, somebody will contact you after the sermon. <laughs> but here's Jesus, the ultimate preacher, teaching and preaching, and he gets interrupted with a paralytic guy that his friends brought to him and dropped him in front of him. And so all this thing goes on and he displays the power of God in an, a magnificent way and then he goes on and he interrupts someone else's life right after that and calls Matthew. So we'll stop there. We have a few more stories and we'll go on next week and we'll finish up with that. And then after that, like I said, I'll take a, uh, a pulpit sabbatical for about a month and we'll just fill it with awesome people that are just going to bring us awesome word and I'm looking forward to it um, but I want to challenge you today as we start this are you interruptible or are you wearing spiritual sunglasses you know if God tells you something can you I know that I if I choose to I can do this um, I can choose to uh, not listen I can hear God and not listen you ever done that if you say no you're not telling the truth 
But there have been times, and I remember when I was first saved, that I was in a grocery store, and um, there was this guy, and he was, he was one of these guys, completely bent over. And um, he must have been tall, because I could look him in the eye, and he was completely bent, completely bent over. And he was bent over like, I don't know if it was apples or tomatoes or something, and he's up there like this, and he would bring it down to his face and put it, you know, and he's completely bent over, and I'm standing there shopping, and I, I had just come into uh, the place in my faith where I knew that God was powerful and I knew he wanted to use us, you know, me. And, uh, and I was standing there and I heard the Holy Spirit say, go lay your hands on, on, on him. And I'm like, put those spiritual sunglasses on, took my cart and took off. And off I went. Um, because number one, back then, I didn't talk to people that I didn't know. Um, number two, I was afraid of everything and everybody. Uh, number three, what if it didn't work? And the man just thought I was just like rubbing this, you know, crazy crooked back. Um, and so there's that lack of faith there, you know. And uh, number four, is that you, God? Do you think the devil's going to tell you to lay hands on people so they can be healed? No. I sure hope that God was able to get somebody else uh, after, uh, after I refused. But... I know that his mercy is new every morning, and I know, I know that I know that I know that God has great grace for me. He has proven that over the last, oh, 35 years or however long I've been a believer. And um, so, well, gosh, it's been a long time, hasn't it? Huh? Is it 40 now? How old am I? Mm, almost, almost 40, yep. I'm not almost 40. I've been a believer almost 40 years. So, um, And I want to encourage you today that if that's like you, you know, don't fret. Don't beat yourself up. And don't believe the lies of the devil that says God will never, never use you again because it's a lie. Uh, God has used me since then to do various things and he has displayed his power through me um, and will more and more and more uh, in the days ahead and in this year in particular and so uh, and he will for you too amen so uh, stand up with me and let's pray and then we'll go ahead and turn it off after that um, so if you're here today and you have not been living the interruptible life, I want to encourage you to, um, to talk to God about it and see what he says. I want to encourage you to allow that mindset to be broken off of you that you're in charge, right? Uh, because we are bought with a price. We are not our own. And that is not a very popular message because we like to call the shots. We like to say where I'm going and what I'm doing. Uh, I have, we, we've been around the block a little bit and we've been around people in ministry and there's just such a, there's such a great divide between people that say, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and then it's going to be this and, and then there's people that are uh, completely subject to the will of God and that's where I want to live. I want to live there. I want to live in the interruptible uh, mode. I want to live the interruptible life. Amen? Amen? Amen. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word today. I thank you 
that these stories are not just, they're not fairy tales and they're not just put there for entertainment. But Father, your word says that they are put there for us to learn. And Father, we just ask you that the, the interruptible life that we see in these uh, people in the Bible and in Jesus would impact us today in a powerful way. I thank you, Father God, that as you speak to us, your word says that my sheep hear my voice and another they will not follow. But as you speak to us, that we, we tune our ears to listen and obey. And as we do that, Father, I thank you that we will become billboards for the magnificence and the power of, of God and the show-off that God wants to do in the days ahead of his grace and his mercy in people's lives and his power, uh, you know, and the signs and wonders and the miracles and also just the transformation in people's lives and that a word in season even would be something that totally changes their life in an instant. And I thank you, Father, that we're open to that. And I ask you, Lord God, to give us, each one of us, some kind of divine opportunity this week so that we can share it next week. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen, amen and Amen.